Thanks for tuning in to the Medevac Podcast, powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes and their families. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you very much for joining us on the Medevac Podcast today. If you're new here, there's a price for the show. You have to share it with a friend or family member if you get something out of today's episode. And I think you're going to get something out of today's episode because we have a very cool guest, Chelsea Tursevich. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I am really excited to be here as well. Um, Been looking forward to this since we first started talking a couple months ago now. Yeah, yeah, same here. We've been talking for a little while. So Chelsea is a a Army veteran. She served from 2008 to 2019 as a PA. Mostly. Mostly as a PA. And then now she works for a company called Mindbloom, which you might have seen their advertising around on social media. They have a pretty strong social media advertising presence, but they do ketamine therapy for people all across the U.S., Correct. So, yep. Welcome, and thank, thank you. you uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for being here. Well, let's uh, rewind it back a little bit sure. before we build up to Mind Bloom. Perfect. And talk about what you did in the military and why you were inspired to join. Yeah. Um, so the military was not a huge part of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my grandfather who was in the Korean War, but stationed in Europe okay. doing admin stuff. And then uh, my a couple of my older cousins, they joined the Army. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you when because they were so much older than me. It wasn't until probably my senior year of high school, so 2002, uh, Johnny Chapman, combat controller, mm-hmm. he has a relationship to our family, very close okay. to like my dad's generation. And I remember the day we found out he died. Mm. Senior year in the yearbook room, hey, Johnny J- died. Mm. And that was really like the first like moment, like, oh, what's this like military thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And after that, I went to college in DC. Uh, I went to American University. So I started to be surrounded by military without even realizing it. Politics, everything. So far from what I grew up with in Connecticut, like Mm. just totally different. And I ended up dating a guy who was in the army, in the (laughs) old guard, Mm. and ended up marrying him uh, when I was 22. Mm. So I kind of delayed what I had planned to do, which was med school, to follow him around and become a dependent. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So Depend I actually, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was not the life for me, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. So we were up at Fort Drum. Mm. Um, he, we got married. He deployed immediately to Iraq for 16 months, 2005, wow. 2006. Or, no, sorry, 2006, 2007 was when he deployed. Okay. Um, and so he was there for an extended period of time, pretty tough deployment. He already had some mental health issues before he joined. And then that really exacerbated him. One of his best friends stepped on an IED, blew mm. up in front of him. He mm. remembers like picking up the pieces yeah. type thing. So when he came back, the issues he had beforehand were really exasperated. Sure. He was also not the best soldier per se and had some drug use issues both before and after the deployment and ultimately was getting separated after multiple offenses. Sure. Um, Military's defense, they did really try to help him. They sent him to an inpatient rehab facility, a Hmm. civilian one up in upstate New York, which knowing what I know now, I'm like, wow, I'm kind of impressed army that you even did that. Pretty good. (laughs) Especially like 2007 timeframe. Yeah, no kidding. So um, he was like, you know, we're about to lose all these benefits, right? You should join the army (laughs) as an officer. Cause I already had my degree. Okay. So I did. Um, I, 
took the ASVAB. That was not a requirement for me in my high school growing up. So I had never taken it before. So I took that. Went to recruiter was like, I want to go to OCS. Hmm. And they were like, well, what about an 88 mic? Why don't you be a truck driver? (laughs) Yeah, these guys are such good salesmen. They are so good. But thankfully I had my husband at the time and all of his friends to be like, don't. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. Say no. Do not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, officer versus eighty-eight enlisted eighty-eight Mike. Yeah. Dri- what? Yeah. Like, no. I, I could go no. be a doctor. And you won't say me. Exactly. <laughs> so um, held out, which I'm glad I did. Uh, they did loan repayment program, mm. so they paid back a lot of my undergrad, which is one of the things we needed. Sure. Uh, they, we also did the. Refer a friend program, right? Okay. You get yeah. extra money or your friend gets money if you refer someone. So our, our friend of ours actually split that with us, which again, we needed at that time. We, he was an E3, I think. He'd run the E1 to E5 a few times. So we were back to <laughs> E3 at that point. Um, and so I, I went to basic training at Fort Jackson in fall of 08. Then right to Fort Benning, January of 09 to yeah. OCS. Uh, commissioned in April of nine, uh, and then went to Aberdeen Proving Grounds. I was the last group of people at Aberdeen before they closed it for Army okay. to become an ordnance officer. Uh, oh, actually, I take that back. I went to Fort Sill. I like to black this portion of my life out. I spent two months <laughs> at Fort Sill in the summer for Bullet Two. They don't do that anymore. And then I went ended up at Aberdeen. So I was actually in Tradoc for a full year. Mm. So a full year of training before mm. I even got to my first unit. My first unit was great. Uh, I went to 4ID. Uh, granted, I got there in the beginning of winter, which was pretty miserable, but uh, we were getting ready to go to Afghanistan mm-hmm. for a year. So I did JRTC. We did this awful Lieutenant Amungadai challenge in December when everyone else was home because there was no roads open. <laughs> um, but some of my best friends came from it. So like really horrible experience, but wonderful experience. Yeah. Bonding through suffering, right? Exactly. The military way. (laughs) Yes. And, um, deployed to Southern Afghanistan in June, June of, of 10. Okay. It timed perfectly though. So my marriage was rapidly already falling apart prior to joining the military Mm. for a variety of reasons. Um, he ended up because of the substance use issues and some of the issues he had from his deployment being pretty abusive, Mm. uh, mostly emotionally, most like emotionally, verbally, but there was some physical and sexual abuse. So Mm. that was really ramping up in that pre-deployment. I think he was realizing because he had been other than honorably discharged at this point, okay. that he was losing control. Yeah, um, sure. And his drug use and substance uses were kind of spiraling at the same time. Feeding into that, yeah. Yeah, and we were in Colorado. Methamphetamine, just like here in Texas, is huge. Yeah. And he's from Texas, which methamphetamine was an issue prior to the military mm-hmm. for him. So it was just really, really spiraling. Sure. And, and what is your emotions at this point while seeing you know the person you love kind of degrade like this? You know... Especially while you're getting ready for a deployment yourself. Initially, before joining the military, it was like a lot of compassion, a lot mm. of like, I don't understand what he's going through, but I want to be there for him. I'd had some like substance use issues and like family and friends. So like I knew that perspective. Sure. But at that point, I was starting to become fearful, mm. resentful, mm. especially as an officer, seeing what he did in his last year 
I was like, oh my God, he's like that shitty soldier. Like, yeah. Why, yeah. <laughs> like, why did you keep him in so long, Army? Right? So those were the kind of things that were starting to go through my head. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really changed since then, but that's where I was. So I actually volunteered to go on pre-torch. So mm-hmm. I was like part of the first 10 people on ground in Afghanistan for our unit just to be able to get away from it because I didn't have a home. Mm-hmm. I gave him everything. I was like, please just leave me alone. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. probably the right call at that point. It just was. distance yourself from the situation. Yeah, it, it really was. And I thankfully had a really great leadership team at that mm. point in my company commander, my first sergeant who helped me get like my gear out of the house. Cause we were at JRTC when everything like really hit the fan, Yeah, um, got my dog out of the house and helped me like get a car for the time being, get a, into a hotel room. But I was basically like in a hotel for my like last three weeks deployment before <laughs> yeah. deployment. So got on the plane and didn't look back. I was like, cool, we're good to go. My, I got an attorney. He'll take care of everything with the right. divorce. Like, no worries. Um, and when I got to Afghanistan, it was very different than what I was expecting, mm. obviously. Yeah. Um, but my job changed almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So I was no longer a maintenance officer. They put me into a basically a contracting officer representative role. I hopped around to all the bases hmm. to get mostly gravel. <laughs> like, I'd, I don't even want to know how much money I've spent on gravel. Like, it's just a horrible, horrible nightmare. Um, millions and millions oh, of dollars God, in gravel. Yes. Yeah. God, yes. Uh, and then I also was taking care of like black water issues and gray water issues okay. and yeah. um, working with lo- local nationals on like making sure we can get the black water removed and the gray water removed so we mm. can shower. Cause there were some of the bases and the like CPs and the fobs I was on, we couldn't use water mm-hmm. for uh, days sometimes. Yeah. I, I just remember those uh, sewage lakes. Yep. Uh, you know? God, this smells yep. so bad. So beautiful. You know, it's like <laughs> the water we, glistening. We can't Serene. go practice firing today because the range is full of black water. Yeah. Sorry guys. Yeah. Yeah. A little stinky out. That was, that was my life. <laughs> was yeah. fixing that. So, well, thank yeah. you for fixing. Yeah. That. yeah. Oh, good thing you weren't an 88 Mike. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't have been fixing any black water at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, so that's what I spent most of the deployment doing was, was mm-hmm. fixing those types of issues and just traveling mm-hmm. wherever my brigade needed me. Sure. Um, during that time, though, I actually started to develop some, like my first episode of PTSD mm-hmm. pretty substantially because mm-hmm. I went into a very toxic, um, environment immediately. Mm. So the job change meant I had a different leadership team. Mm-hmm. And part of that leadership team felt it was their responsibility to show me what I had done wrong in my marriage and oh. how I was being wrong as an adult and everything that I'd ever done wrong in my life. What? Yes. That doesn't make any sense it to me. It was awful. And other people saw it too and tried to help interact for it, like interfere for me. And yeah just could not because of this person's rank, their history. Um, and so I started pretty badly spiraling uh, mm. while doing everything. So I'm, I'm in Southern Afghanistan in 2010 having panic attacks. Mm. And I'm supposed to be around this person on like a daily basis. So I've replaced my abusive ex-husband now with this abusive leader. Mm. And I tried, like I went to EO, I went to like other people in the brigade and everyone was like, well, you're a junior female officer and he's a field grade. Who do you think they're going to believe? That's a shitty response. Got that from a bunch of people. Yeah. We, unfortunately uh, that's the, that's kind of the truth though. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Um, and I've heard the story from a lot of people, Hmm. 
and during my career and after as I've worked with veterans and other people and women in like um, police forces yeah. and, and hospitals and stuff. It's, it's sadly a continuing issue, right? It is, yeah. Um, so they sent me back to Kandahar Airfield at this point because mm. I was just, it was becoming a problem. Like mm. I didn't even feel safe to hold my rifle because of how bad the panic attacks were becoming. Mm. And they diagnosed me incorrectly with panic disorder. They mm. never listened to me. They're just like, oh, you're having panic attacks? Mm. Panic disorder. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Yeah. And gave me a buttload of clonopin. Oh, like geez. a buttload. Just unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. like it baffles me. Yeah, like months, months worth at a time. Yeah, it's and crazy. With three times out. a day, like one milligram starting me off, which is like a high dose to start someone off on. I was either a zombie or I was angry and having panic attacks. There was yeah. no in between. No in between. Yeah, and still trying to do my job. Yeah, and when you're having emotional turmoil yep. up and down and like that. You know, this this job that you put in wasn't your choice. Nope. You're starting to rethink your life. Yep. You're wondering mm. what's going back at home. Oh, okay. It's the perfect storm. It mm. is. It is. I thankfully had some really amazing friends and I was in a support battalion. So it was a lot of the medical support staff too, right? Sure. Yeah. So um, they convinced me to apply for PA school through the military. And so my that's plan was at that smart. point. Yes. I feel like that's a smart move. <laughs> yeah. They were phenomenal. I'm so glad they did. Um, if I didn't get in, I was going to get out and go to med school or PA school outside of the military. Like that was yeah. the deal. My contract was almost up. Because I'd spent a year in Tradoc. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got in. I got into IPAP the first time, which is nice. actually pretty hard to do. Um, finished off the deployment, was able to taper off benzos on my own because I did not like the way I felt. Mm, uh, thankfully, my R&R came up where, because, you know, Army, we like to do those 12-month deployments. <laughs> Mine was nine and a half months in. I was in the last R&R group. Mm-hmm. So um, when I went to Europe to see my family, we went met up in Italy. I was like, I don't need these. <laughs> I'm not taking these. Yeah, and I just stopped, and I, I haven't used them since. Um, stayed on the Prozac for a while, which helped. Yeah, and then when I came back, I'm supposed to be getting ready to go to PA school, right? I'm super excited. Like life's good. I got into a different job. I was. Uh, how was your panic attacks at this point? Wasn't having them anymore. Hmm. Really? After the R and R. Interesting. Yeah. It's just it's almost like you felt trapped. Oh, I was. So and once you have that trapped. light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. everything kind of you were it able did. to breathe. Yeah, it, it it was that. I think seeing my sisters and my mom in Europe was really helpful too. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like me again. Sure. Where I hadn't for years, honestly, because mm-hmm. I was so separated. We were five hours from each other when I was in New York, but it felt like, you know, thousands of miles. Yeah. It might have been, it might as well have been a deployment even at that point, honestly. Um, and so, like, I started to feel like myself, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't fully there yet. And I was still incorrectly diagnosed with a panic disorder diagnosis. Yeah. Um, which then reared its ugly head. I almost didn't go to PA school. Interesting. So, because of the, the diagnosis? Or? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, at least for the Army, each branch is a little different. They have enlisted standards, they have officer standards. Sure. I, I should have been kept to the officer standards where I was already an officer. No issues as long as I didn't have very specific things happen to me while I was deployed. Mm-hmm. I go. They decided to hold me to the enlisted standards, which means if I had a mental health condition, I have to go through a waiver process mm-hmm. to be approved to become an officer mm. as part of the program. Interesting. Yeah, I got that note. Actually, my mom and my aunt were visiting, and we were in Denver or Fort Collins. We were in northern area of, of Colorado, and I got word hey, uh, your position for school has been 
cold for right now because of this. Mm. And you're going to need to submit a waiver. And it ended up being almost a full year process. Yeah. I had to go to the Typical. office of the Surgeon General. Mm. Um, and part of that was being reevaluated. And the person that reevaluated me, me was like, you don't have panic. It was never panic. You hmm. have PTSD. You were abused. Like, do you realize you were abused? Yeah. And honestly, I never had thought that before. Sure. Right? I mean, well, if you have a medical professional telling you one thing, it's you typically believe them, right? <laughs> and also, like, I think there's this uh, mentality in the officer corps, particularly like if that's all you've known, mm-hmm. is like, I don't get abused. I'm an officer. I have these standards and I'm that's not something that happens to me, right? Sure. That happens to my soldiers, yeah. their their spouses, their family members, but not not to me. Well, it's that gradual build as well. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's mm. slowly chipping away at your character. Yep. And then it takes some third party to come in and say, Well, you're not the same anymore. Or yep. this is completely different. This did, is did abnormal. You see this? Yeah. Like, did you realize this? And yeah. Part of that was, remember, he, he was addicted to meth. I sometimes wouldn't sleep for mm-hmm. days because he would just keep me up mm-hmm. just because that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So I also wasn't sleeping. I wasn't like thinking clearly during that period of time. So it was really just chipping away at who I was. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, category of discussion is, you know, that domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is... There's really no understanding unless you've gone through it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we've heard countless stories at this point of, of this kind of thing. So I feel like we we could um, really see mm-hmm. into that. But for the most part, uh, no one's going to understand. No. And when you tell people that, they're like, well, well are you crazy? Why don't you just leave? Yeah. And it's so hard to recognize for for so many people. When, when, you're, you, when you're in the middle of it, yep. it's so hard to recognize. But as the moment you step away, you can look at it like... Why, how could I not see this? Substance, what the hell? substance yeah. abuse is very yeah. different as well because we know that there's something altering their mentality. As, yep. mm. And so we have that hope that yep. they're not like that. Mm. And this They'll is going to change. Better. Yeah. And, and I can I, help them. My love yeah. will convince them exactly. to move forward. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, all of that is so accurate. There, there's a show or a mini series, limited series on Netflix that came out during the pandemic called, I want to say it's The Maid. Okay. And it actually took me a while to make it all the way through it because of how much it touched my story mm. and where I could have gone, yeah. right? Mm. Like it could have been way worse and I yeah. can see in my head how it could have gotten yeah. worse. And you, you like literally see a branch in your life yep. yeah. where you go this route, but you could have very easily yep. spiraled down this route. And that branch was actually joining the army. Mm. Yeah. That that actually saved mm. my life. Like I truly, truly believe that. Not because of the PA school, that definitely played a role in it, but because it, it truly did help me leave that marriage. Yeah. I could see yeah. strength in myself. I could see a way out. And mm. you gain that strength too by doing a job that you don't want to do. You ever seen that show <laughs> Dirty Jobs? Yes. I <laughs> love know? that show. But it builds resiliency. It does. It, yeah. it, it builds that ability to just say, screw it and move on. I, and not just the job itself, but I think the military in general mm-hmm. does that, right? Like yeah. it teaches us a part of ourselves that we don't realize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it really did that for me because would I have ever thought that I was going to fly around in helicopters as a crew member? Mm-hmm. Hell no. Yeah, probably not. Would I have thought that I would have traveled all over Southern Afghanistan to fix Blackwater issues? And buy gravel? Hell no. <laughs> 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 buy gravel? <laughs> Never. Yeah, there's rocks all over Afghanistan, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't remind me. It's still better to this day. I do have a picture of me sliding down like gravel on like a tray from the defect. You know, there's always going to be nonsense that happens behind the scenes. It's always. You're an officer. How how dare you? Have fun. I got a whole story about how I stole our mascot one time. Don't worry. Oh, well, let's hear it. Now we got to hear it. Yeah. So as we were getting ready to redeploy from Afghanistan, we had this pack. We were the pack horse battalion, first of all. Let me put that out there. We had a giant pack horse thing, statue, statue, but it had extra parts to it Okay, with a carrying case. It probably weighed like close to 40 pounds, honestly. Oh, like and a legit the, sculpture. Yeah. Okay. It was like for real. And it was the baby lieutenant's job to bring it to everything, including our deployment. Uh, okay. We yeah. got a new baby like lieutenant Classic. while we were deployed. Classic hazing. Yeah. 100%. It's indoctrination. We're just teaching them unit camaraderie. Yeah. And, and responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she had, bring, she, it's amazing. she had to bring it home, right? Uh, and like when the, the baby lieutenant who had it going over, he was told it had to be on the plane next to him. It had a seat yeah. on our plane, right? Yeah. Well, she got permission to put it in, in a connex. Oh, no. And that wasn't okay, right? We couldn't let that happen. Yeah. So we kidnapped it and we held it ransom. Oh yeah. And put up one like signs all Little over. Little posters, yeah. yeah. Sounds about uh, right. And our our battalion XO was like, I'm gonna UCMJ, you guys, if you don't turn it in, whoever has it. But we had everyone on battalion staff and all this, like <laughs> the NCOs, the talk guys, like yeah. they help us put pictures up. At least it was a sculpture. I won't tell you what uh the privates in my unit had to carry around. <laughs> Not but allowed it, to say it. it. It was it was hefty. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so uh, just I'll, I'll, that. Yeah. I'll break. I'll break. I'll tell you. It was a double sided, just massive, probably like five inch around dildo. <laughs> that, that was. I mean, the thing was two feet long. I love this. It, and was it? And the bright the, pink too, because you gotta have a good color. Oh part. yeah, it matched. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it. So we go out uh, to customs, and oh, God. they go through the bag, and I'll never forget this one customs agent looks at it, looks at the private, and just like sinks down, <laughs> like this is my life, and. <laughs> You know, so it's like hazing is for real. But that builds camaraderie, it right? Does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I, yeah, so it's a, she's side. a PA yeah. now. Accountability. And we've talked about this since yeah. then. She's she's still in the Army. Um, she came to, the, not the same unit as me, but a similar unit, Fort Bliss, as a brand new PA. And we talked about it. I was like, I'm sorry, but maybe not totally sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah, know, no and then way. when it happens to you. <clears throat> it never you. happened to me. Uh, I didn't have to do this because I was older as a lieutenant but you still embraced it i did oh, you terrible. you would have been accountable though yeah yeah I, if it was me i would have been accountable i would hold on to that thing yeah tie down yeah tie Heck down. Yeah. Yeah. you're not getting that from me no way remember i knew the e135 ranks very well i yeah. knew what extra duty was like oh yeah that thing would have been with me at all times absolutely oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> easy to say now huh? <laughs> were you that yeah. private that had to carry the dildo i <laughs> luckily i showed up um uh, when they were deployed. Okay. So uh, by the time I went on, like I did the mid mid bird, so I mm-hmm. deployed uh, halfway through and didn't have to do that because they had new privates that were there. <laughs> by the time um, you got back. But it was pretty funny because this thing was old. It was old. It was like uh, like 
deteriorating. Sticky, probably and tacky. They, anytime you did these like platoon wars or squad wars or whatever, you'd lift up their shirt and slap them <laughs> on the stomach as hard and give them pink bellies as hard as possible. Oh my god! And I remember that we had to retire it because it broke in half. And this thing was girthy, man. Like I'm saying, and smacked it, yeah. broke in half. Yeah, I believe that. And then now two privates have to carry it. <laughs> Adapt and overcome. Yeah. <laughs> Adapt. See, yeah. now we're sharing yeah. the responsibility. Yeah. Just that's sharing it. it. That's all. That's awesome. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I think I'd, <laughs> I'd take the 40-pound statue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as the person who didn't have to carry it, I think both would be acceptable. <laughs> so so oh, walk us funny. through uh, kind of the the pathway to PA school. And- yeah. So once I got the approval from the Surgeon General, which was long and mm. arduous, as you can probably imagine, because it's typical. government yeah. slowness, um, everything fell into place at that point. Uh, it just, like, it was, I want to say four days before I was supposed to report that I got the approval, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> July. Yeah, quick turn. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be there July. In four days. Yep. Um, coming from Colorado Springs to here in San Antonio. So okay. at least not too far of a move. Um, I had a friend who just did my household goods and and I met that here basically. But nice. I, I started school pretty much right away. Um, I didn't go right into PA school. There was actually a program back in the day for Army called RCC, Requirements Completion Course, mm-hmm. that I got to go to community college with a bunch of other Army people for a semester and basically play civilian for that semester. It was <laughs> Awesome. Uh, while we did, we had to do five classes uh, during that semester. Mm. But having a degree from a major university, I was like, "Oh, this is, I've already kind of <laughs> taken most of these. This is fine." Yeah. So I easy. got to just explore San Antonio basically for a, a whole semester, which was nice. And then we went into PA school. Which mm. do you guys know anything about IPAP, the military PA program? Yeah, yeah. it's not fun. Very intense. Sucks your soul. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a hyper accelerated PA course, right? Um, actually, no. So, yes and no. Where it's hyper accelerated, captain immediately though. You t- <laughs> <laughs> I actually lost rank, so uh. yeah, that's that's the downside of going as an officer. Um, so you you walk out with two degrees. You walk out with mm. a bachelor's and a master's. Whereas every other PA program that I know of is you have to have a bachelor's to be able to go mm-hmm. and then you're just working on your master's. So it's condensing, you know, a, not a full bachelor's into it, but a lot of a bachelor's sure. into it. It's integrating the master's and bachelor's program. It is, yeah. yeah. And so that's where it's it's challenging. You're doing Monday through Friday for 16 months minus a couple of weeks off here or there for like the transition between semesters mm-hmm. of full days in nonstop class and you're taking tests three days a week, two to three days a week, first thing in the morning and then going to class. Mm -hmm. So all you're doing is class or preparing Mm -hmm. for the next test. Let me ask you a question. What would you rather be doing? Going to class in a nice air conditioned room or doing the black tanks again? Oh, class 100%. (laughs) No no question. Isn't it funny that like no matter what situation we're ever in, we're never happy about it. (laughs) That is accurate. That is so, so it's accurate. So ac- well, you know, just humans are innately lazy. So, and we always want to find the thing. Path. Yeah, we want to find the thing to like complain about, generally yeah. speaking. We do. I, I would take yeah. that over shoveling gravel and shit any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I definitely <laughs> agree with that. Plus, it's fun stuff that you're learning too. It's interesting. It is. And that's what yeah. I've always wanted to do. Like, yeah. if you ask my family, I've always wanted to be in medicine. Mm-hmm. It was just 
how I got there took a little longer, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's tough though, right? Because I had friends that went through graduate programs that were civilians. I'm still really lucky to be really good friends with like five people from high school, mm. which I feel like, it, especially at, I'm 39 now, that's probably not, and did not stay in the same town that I grew up in or the, where my school is, right? So I feel like that's not necessarily normal. When I talk to other people, yeah. that, that doesn't seem like a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these friends that did graduate programs, like not like my graduate program, that's for sure. I'm doing PT before or after class. I'm studying all weekend long. I'm like trying to have a relationship because remember, I'm divorced now and beginning of my thirties. Right. So not feeling spring chickeny at that point, especially Mm -hmm. in the army. Um, and it was just, it was a long 16 months Mm -hmm. here in San Antonio once I got in it and friends didn't make it through the program. It's really, really tough. And you have some people drop out or fail out or both. Okay. Both actually. Um, some people that I did the RCC program with actually didn't make it through. It's one of the reasons they stopped it is they didn't see any better success rates if you did the program than if you didn't Mm -hmm. do the program. So they dropped it. I think we were one Mm. of the last years. And like you think back to it and like some of the nonsense that would get you spun up because you're not sleeping much. I lived off of NOS energy drinks and coffee. (laughs) Like I don't know how I didn't have kidneys. Like we had a fridge in the back that was full of energy drinks as well as four coffee pots going at all times. (laughs) And like you could be in the classroom pretty much all day. You guys just giving each other IVs in the meantime. Like, Like, and while we were there, there was actually a shooting in the building. Oh, really? Yeah. Where uh, a, a female officer was there for, I believe, career course or maybe a nursing program. I can't remember exactly what, but her estranged husband, who I believe was an E8 or an E9, came on post and tried to shoot her. And oh, he, Jesus. Wow. I believe he did hit her, but not, <clears throat> like, I think it was like in the hip, if I remember correctly. But then we were in lockdown Damn. while they searched for him. That's right? crazy. So, Here's my brain, like, motherfucker, I got out early today. I was going to go home. I was going to take a nap. I'm not thinking rationally because I should be like, oh, this poor person got shot. Yeah. And the person's on base now evading. And he's like, no, my brain's like, damn it. Now I'm stuck here. (laughs) This is so inconvenient. (laughs) I think back to that. I'm like, what a horrible human being I was because I was so tired. That's average. Unless you're there and you see it. Yeah, like which it's some not of, tangible. It's some a diffusion of, of responsibility. Did, actually. Yeah. Like, okay. I bet you they weren't thinking that. No, yeah. one, of them, like, uh, <clears throat> one of them went and grabbed home. their aid bag from the car, right? Yeah. Compl- like put pressure. Another one was trying to just make sure everyone else was safe because it was while all of the classes are letting out for the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, I like we were all like, God damn it. Like, what the hell? Like, we were all getting our bags ready. Like, can we jump out the windows? It's the third floor, but there's a tree right there. We could probably do this. That could make it out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, really ridiculous 16 months here in San Antonio. Then I ended up in Savannah at Fort Stewart for my hmm. clinical year. Fell in love with the area. That's why I ended up back there post-military. Uh, did my year of uh, clinicals, which military PA program is very different than civilians in mm-hmm. terms of our clinical year. We do everything, right? So no specialty? No. Nope. Like I was giving dental blocks. I worked with ophthalmology and did some hmm. eye surgeries. I spent uh, two weeks up in Savannah working with the interventional radiologist with like breast cancer and glioblastomas because that's okay. what I wanted to do, like my um, paper, well, paper on presentation that we had to do. 
Um, so it, you really get a really broad background, which mm-hmm. we need, right? Like yeah. we're yeah. going to be going to places where we might not have a specialist with us or nearby. Maybe we can call them, maybe we can email them, but reality is you might not, yeah. right? Um, and so it's one of the reasons why military PAs, I think, do so well when we get out of the military or if we go from the military into like a reserve or a National Guard role, mm-hmm. like people want us yeah. because of that background. I remember my very first day at Fort Bliss, I was a field artillery PA and they hadn't had a PA in like nine plus months. And I had like a full load and they're like, you got this right. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm new here. Yeah. Like, I don't even know how to get to the clinic. What are you talking about? Um, but like, pretty rapidly. And again, this goes back to the military. You adapt, you Mm -hmm. figure it out. You're like, all right, well, I've been here two weeks now. Let me help this new PA that's coming in and help them figure the ropes out. Right. And that's what one of my classmates above a class above me, he was like, Hey, when you get here, you're going to be in like one of the sister battalions. So I'll help you get your stuff figured out. And like, here's like some places to live, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like that's what you do. You just help out the next person Yeah. while giving them a hard time in the process. Right. Like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like sink or swim, huh? Oh yeah. (laughs) I think I had solo sick call for the whole brigade, my third or fourth day in the, in the unit. So one little Chelsea, brand new PA, barely passed her boards two months ago, brand (laughs) new, brand new to El Paso, mind you in the summer. And I had 80 Six soldiers. Oh man! Anything All to from, yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. With like five medics. And did you have someone to report to? Did they just kind of like throw you to the wolves? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, wow. good thing ninety percent of it's given eight hundred milligrams ibuprofen. Yeah. So. I, you know, I gave some Sudafed too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drink, drink water. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, not Change really. Socks. Our unit was part of the African rotation at that point. So okay. half the PAs, the more senior ones, were in Africa right then. Hmm. We only had one doc in the brigade. We were short one doc. And so it was like me and two other PAs in our doc, and that was it. Hmm. And so we were also seeing all the people left behind, right? Yeah. So I'm just like over here trying to figure figure things out. I'm like, how do I put a referral in? They're like, you just do it. And I'm like, yeah. but. <laughs> I need but more training how? here. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they were really undermanned, though, like dramatically. Yeah, yeah we were. Uh, Fort Bliss for a couple of years got most PAs coming out of IPAP because mm. the the brigades just were so low on PAs. Okay. Um, so there was just a lot of new PAs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did, so I was with the field artillery unit from 16 to eight, 17, 18, 18. I was with them for two years. Mm. Did a rotation to Kuwait. Got okay. to live at Camp Buring yeah. for the better part of nine months. <laughs> never, never done Kuwait. That was that just. Uh, it's. It's just fat camp, oh, right? Just, the desert, like Camp uh, Buring's just, the worst. That was just dust. Just dust. Dust uh, and hot. Yeah, dust never, and hot. Never done Kuwait. I, oh, it's gross. It is. It's like fat camp, though, right? They got like six pools and like three. Not D-packs. a Camp Buring. Oh, so no. Camp Buring's the one that's basically on the Iraq that, border. Which oh, one's the, okay. Which the R and R base is in Qatar. Uh, Qatar. Yeah, it's Qatar. Qatar. Yeah, it has like six. Pools. Yeah. It's so like, it's like a resort. <laughs> it is, and you get two beers a day. Like, yeah, yeah, not Kuwait. Group. Really easy. No, not Kuwait. Oh, okay. Not Kuwait. Yeah, yeah. Not Kuwait. <laughs> yeah. Arif John down by Kuwait City. Okay. They had a pool. And so if we could swing a day down, like be like, oh, we got to go to Arif John for this thing, we'd go to the pool. Hmm. And like the people who were stationed there could always tell when people from the other bases would come because we're like, woo, pool day, chilies, yes, chilies, <laughs> right? Chilies. Uh, rough deployment. Yeah. Versus like we had two defects at 
burying, mm. which were, you know, pretty standard military deca- yeah. defects. Yeah. We had uh, two gyms. They did open a functional fitness gym while I was there, which seemed pretty nice, but I never went because as the PA of a unit, I'd get taps on the shoulder as I'm butt ass <laughs> naked, being like, can you look at this? Like, can like, I just take my shower, please? Like, yeah. No. Yeah. Like, Come see me during the office no, hours. Yeah, no respect. No, no boundaries. <laughs> Zero no boundaries. boundaries. Like, this? Do you no. see I have like shower shoes on and nothing else? Like, do we need to do this right now? Because it's also 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's- I don't want to. So I uh, I did a half marathon instead to stay in shape while I was in Kuwait. They did nice. it um, around the perimeter. Uh, and they did one at Arif John too. So that was how I kept busy. There you go. Um, and then I went up to Iraq. Uh, the unit I was with, the field artillery guys, they were part of the Missoula offensive when we had to go back into Missoula. So I went and stayed with them and, you know, slept in a bunker for a little while and mm. went to the back of their vehicles and got them, watched them shoot off some phosphorus. And it was nice. pretty cool. Like that was, it, we also saw a raid after they had taken some ISIS stuff, which cool pictures of like, vacuums turned into IEDs. A ho- they had a horse named Donald Trump <laughs> that had really blonde hair in the front <laughs> that they tried to turn into an IED that the Iraqi army had adopted. Uh, uh, they had a vehicle that ISIS had like up armored with like plates of metal that yeah. they found. Yeah, just like fence, <laughs> fence board. Yeah. Some of the stuff they do is ingenious it is. though. Like oh, the, they're, res- yeah, they're, they're very creative. Very creative. Yeah. Right. Very. And like the layout that the Iraqi army had for us to look at was really impressive. Like mm. I was just kind of like, I don't know if we're, we're that creative anymore. Cause we yeah. had access to like, other stuff for so long. Could, yeah. could we as soldiers figure some of this stuff out? I don't oh, know. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If we were back in a position we needed to. If you're yes. forced to, yeah. Yeah. And also, you got to think about their, their generation war. Yeah. yeah. Like they are generations after generations. Yeah. So they're, they, they are seasoned veterans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. most people don't realize that. They're like, well, they don't shoot right. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you've never faced them in battle. You know, these guys yeah. are crafty. They yeah. are. They might not be able to shoot straight, but they can come up with some other stuff. Well, they might not have like great techniques, like where they're doing transition drills. Right. But guess what? They're just going to stand up on their hill and not care. Like, well, that's exactly <laughs> like, it. You ever yeah. seen you ever seen the 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 advisors or something? You'll have like a, an army unit, and then there's where their Afghani guy just walking out in the middle yeah. of the battlefield with <laughs> yep. RPG. You're like, hey, dude, <laughs> come back, come back. Yeah. He's when like, don't worry about it. When, yeah. we, when we were in Afghanistan, yeah. we were actually attached to uh, <clears throat> a, an A and P NCO academy. Okay. So the, yeah. the national police. Uh, so I got to see a lot. I was actually responsible for those life support contracts as well. So sure. I actually spent a lot of time with the Canadians on that side and our small mm. American contingency. Um, and watching them was sometimes terrifying because I definitely yeah. saw them shoot themselves a few times. But when we got attacked and actually their base got attacked, not the army side, they went like balls to the wall right yeah, away, yeah. right? Like yeah. they got their ambulance in, they got the people taken out. Although we did find out Sadly, that one of the ambulance was actually a VBID that then exploded inside the perimeter. Yeah. But like the the Afghan National Police Corps that was there, like they did not pause a second. They were mm. like, we're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. Like maybe not the best technique, but they will get it done. Yeah, they'll yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah, they will not so, quit. That is, that is, we could use a little bit more. Of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is so true, what you said there. Just so, walking so, out. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you're gonna get going to get shot. You're everywhere. like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's that, that inshallah, right? Yeah, like, they're it. like, eh, inshallah. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. Hey, the Kuwaitis were the same way. Like, like, you're driving your car doing 100 with your kid on your lap. Like, yeah. aren't you worried? Meh. 
Inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like God's got my back. It's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. All right. <laughs> and, and it's such a different Talk about living mentality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It's such a different mentality than what we have. We're like, oh. Yeah. Well, now, and it's getting worse nowadays. Yeah. Now, yeah. Nowadays, it, we are scared about everything. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that's a different topic. And it, I'm it, sure whole, we'll, whole, we'll dive into that on whole, this, whole other the topic. part two, yes. for yeah. sure. Yeah, so um, when I did come back from Kuwait, my brief time up in Iraq, I actually, I, de- I desperately wanted to leave El Paso. Why? Oh, I can't uh, <laughs> see why. Right? Mm. And it's it's expanding so exponentially at it's this It's beautiful point. right now. Yeah. It's under full military control. <laughs> 108 degrees. <laughs> it, like, the between the summers being hotter than here, right, yeah. and the winters having those god-awful windstorms. Like, oh, the yeah. only time I've ever been Just terrified fall, yeah. flying on a commercial plane oh. than trying to land in El Paso. We got diverted because it was so bad. Yeah. The gusts were like 85 coming off the mountains. And I was like, I have left my seat more times than I'd like to count. And this yeah. is not a roller coaster. Hitting the top of the airplane. That yeah. just excites me for some reason. Turbulence, you know. I don't mind turbulence ooh, ooh. in a helicopter, ooh, ooh. but not in a commercial <laughs> airplane. <laughs> not a fan. Yeah. No. So um, I got moved to the aviation unit. So I did uh, yeah. go to the flight surgeon course at, at Fort Rucker for the summer, which again, at, when I went, that was a lot of fun. Really yeah. interesting too. Rucker's cool. Um, and you got the beach right there. Mm-hmm. Like we spent every weekend down at the beach and I got to see a friend that was at Fort Benning for a while. So I got to see some friends again that I hadn't seen in a bit. Went back, was with uh, our assault battalion for my last few years. Mm. Was getting ready actually to deploy again when my medical stuff started really like taking a turn. Mm. Um, it Not the mental health. So I did have flares of PTSD over the years, mm-hmm. different things like my ex-husband's still alive. He still has drug use issues off and on, more on than off, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would randomly like pop up in my life, right? Oh, like he yeah. showed up on my doorstep one time unannounced, <clears throat> thinking we were still married, uh, like emailing me, all sorts of things. Sure. So like those would trigger PTSD flares for me. Not as bad as the first one. Like I never, I've never actually had panic attacks again, mm-hmm. thankfully. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm Good. really, really lucky about that. Mm-hmm. I had nightmares that initially, I rarely have nightmares with my future flares. But um, I just was like, I'm over Texas. My, my ex-husband still lives here. He can still show up. I want to mm-hmm. get out. And they're like, eh, go to the aviation union instead. It's fine. Yeah. You can stay a little longer. Yeah. Uh, in Kuwait, I started to have these weird skin issues, hmm. right? So didn't know what they were, showed all my co-providers and everyone's kind of like, you probably got bit by something, it's fine, right? Typical, <laughs> <laughs> typical yeah. military, but it's like, yeah, you're lots fine. Lots of things, probably. You're yeah. fine, it's cool. There's black mold that we live in, we yeah. step through the floor today, it's probably nothing, <laughs> yeah. you're good, right? It'd be all right, yeah. Um, that rapidly progressed over the next few years. So that started in like 2017, I started having these weird skin things. Uh, by 2018, I was having blisters on my hands, my arms, Mm. my mouth. It was starting to kind of pop up on my legs. Like I couldn't eat because of where they were in my mouth. Oh man. Um, And the the best way I can describe like the ones in my mouth, if you've bitten into hot pizza. Yeah. 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 And you you know that burning sensation that Mm. you immediately have and that rawness you have. Absolutely. That was that for like two weeks. That sounds terrible. Yeah. It, it was, was two weeks? I, so, I, to, for so it to recover. Did they kind of like cycle out? and? Yeah. I, there was no rhyme or reason to when they would happen. At least not at did that Did you ever point. figure it out? So I was eventually diagnosed with something called erythema multiform. Um, it's a pretty rare skin condition. It usually only affects like less than 2% of the population. Okay. 
uh, I have a super rare version of it. So I have. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's only 1%. Oh, it's less than that. It's half a percent, baby. Get this name, though. So it's recurrent bullus, so blistering, erythema multiform major. That's Mm. that's my diagnosis. So it comes back. It shouldn't. You get blisters. It shouldn't. Mm. Uh, And it's involving major body parts, my palms, my mouth, where it interferes with my ability to function, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was getting ready to go to Afghanistan with the aviation unit and mm-hmm. it should have gone like right after Christmas of 18 for, for nine months. And I got a flare three weeks before I was supposed to deploy. Mm. Honestly, probably should have been hospitalized for it. I, I lied to my specialist and was like, yeah, no, I can eat and drink. It's fine. Mm. Didn't eat or drink. And what does this cost from? So in my case, we're not 100% sure. In most cases, it's a herpes simplex, like cold sore virus that Mm. typically causes it. I've never had one. Um, I do have the antibodies that say I've been exposed to it. Most uh, most people. people, Um, And we did a trial of uh, different meds to see if I could potentially maybe stay in. I failed the trial. So they Mm. put me on heavy duty immune suppressant medication Mm -hmm. that uh, borderline shutting down my immune system. Yeah. It just crushes your immune system. So I wasn't, so I can't even deploy, can't deploy, can't do anything after that. Still having flares too. Mm -hmm. Oh really? So yeah, it made them better, Mm. but not completely go away, Mm -hmm. uh, which was another part of the problem. But I basically had chronic fatigue for, years man yeah that sounds awful yeah and they uh, the specialist was like oh the tiredness isn't from the immune suppressants the tiredness is from you're depressed (laughs) and i'm like i don't want to bet i feel depressed (laughs) like i'm I'm pretty sure i'm not depressed yeah Yeah. it's that's that's the military for you though they're either really good or or just like how did you get here like so off yeah so i went through a uh, an meb right and uh was medically retired in in 2019 for that skin condition. Mm -hmm. Um, It took a while. It took the VA dermatologist that I work with a while for us to find a combination of medications. Mm -hmm. So at one point I was taking the the heavy duty immune suppressant. Um, I was taking uh, Otesla, which is all of these are off label. There's no actual medications to treat this. Mm. Um, We're just kind of throwing darts basically. Mm. And then I was on, because VA being VA, they were like, she needs to be on an antiviral because yeah. it's it's herpes simplex, right? <laughs> so they put me on Famvir, which is like a more expensive version of like valcyclovir or okay. acyclovir. And so I was on all three of those and it finally seems to have stopped. Daily? Yeah. For And this is supposed to be... Forever? Forever. <laughs> so you're on an immunosuppressant and an antiviral just forever? And, and uh, it's called a... a <clears throat> Excuse me, a DMARD, so uh, an autoimmune medication. That's what Otesla is. Yeah, which Thankfully is not. a terrible combination to take daily forever. <laughs> yeah, thankfully not. Yeah. Um, but I was on them when I was on the immune suppressant when I got out, which is actually how, and this kind of helps lead into later on, um, why I found Mind Bloom. So mm. I could not work with in-person people during the pandemic. My specialist was like, we don't know enough about this. Yeah. Azathioprine, the medication I was on, puts you at more risk for developing like tuberculosis and other lung infections. So mm. I was getting checked for like TB periodically. So he's like, I would recommend remote work for you since you're a PA. Let's, tr- let's try and find that. Um, and that's actually 
how it all came to be, honestly. Okay. Um, I used VR&E through the, the VA yeah. to have them pay for my California license, my mm-hmm. DEA, my uh, controlled substance number, which is a requirement in some states. Yeah, VR&E for people who don't know, yeah. the voca- vocational rehabilitation yep. and education. Great program. Yeah. I tell everyone about it yeah. because like, for mm-hmm. me, I just needed them to pay for my license, right? Mm-hmm. But that saved me over two grand. And they also paid for like my basic life support research, my ACLS research. Yeah. So like $2,000 when I'm coming out of the military and I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And That's it's a huge. global pandemic. It was great. Yeah. Um, but they can retrain you in new jobs. They can get you a little bit more. To, it's like adding a third year to a GI bill for some people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a wonderful program for anyone that can can use it. Yeah. Um, and then I just <laughs> happened to find Mindbloom. I was like scrolling through um, Indeed, I want to say, mm-hmm. when I found them. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I might have done ketamine prior to joining the military <laughs> in a recreational sense. Yeah. And I was like, it's that bad influence of a husband of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sorry. Let's go with that. Yeah. I didn't tell you guys how we met. We actually met at a rave. Oh, well that's even, it makes more sense. Makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. but, so you outgrew it. He did. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was never something that I needed. Yeah. It was something mm-hmm. that he needed. Sure. Um, yeah. But I like researched this company. I can't work in person. This sounds amazing. I was doing some other things on the side. I was doing a nutritional outreach fellowship through the Physician Assistant Foundation because I have a passion for nutrition. I love Mm. food. I'm sure you can tell I love food. I I used to be 100 pounds more. I was was maybe a dependent. Congratulations. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. uh, Honestly, again, Army Medicine. It, yeah. I went to an army doctor in DC who was like, you're pre-diabetic. You're 22 years old. Like, this isn't cool. Wow. Mm. We gotta, we gotta well, get this in check. That's, that's, that's awesome. When you like live your life for someone else, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. all of a sudden you're, you, you just go on this spiral and you eat and. It, and I had already had some weight issues prior to that, but it definitely got to its worst mm. during that portion. So, yeah, um, yeah I lost a uh, hundred pounds over the course of a year, and then that's awesome. Started that was before even the military was an option for me. Like I hadn't even considered it, mm. honestly. So, doing the nutrition fellowship outreach all remote, um, but I was like, I need, I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> I might have yeah. a retirement, but I need, <laughs> I need a little bit more than this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thankfully left the military with no debt. Like that was one of my nice. goals is nice zero debt when I get out. And I did that about two years before I got out. So mm. I was like in a good place um, and had applied for a couple other jobs, but like a teaching job at a PA program, that was like, a, I was four months into that interview process. I do not want to do academia mm. if that's what the process is like. Like, mm, no, yeah. thank you. There are people out there that that's a good role for. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. Not you. I will teach in other ways. I will be a guest teacher. I am fine with that, but I don't want to be in academia full sure. time. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you. And so, yeah, I applied for Mindbloom in July 2020 and got hired less than two weeks later. Can you tell us what Mindbloom is? Uh, yeah, so Mindbloom is a remote ketamine treatment company. They weren't always remote, um, but we do everything via Zoom mm-hmm. and texting and email and um, help people with depression, anxiety uh, to use ketamine and kind of break through it. It's really effective, way more effective than anything else out there. It, mm. Like, honestly, that's why when I started doing the research more, because I knew ketamine from a sedation pain management perspective, that's sure. what we use it for in the military as a PA. I was like blown away by the research. It's yeah. just, and I'd already been following maps for MDMA 
assisted therapy for PTSD. Um, I like knew the benefits of psilocybin for like mm-hmm. depression and stuff like that. So it surprised me, but didn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I just really wanted to be a part of this yeah. and, and have been and love what I do. And in the meantime, it's also helped me, right. I'm still, I'm still having PTSD issues. I actually had a pretty bad flare in, in summer, spring, summer 21, mm-hmm. um, with some understandable triggers at the time. My friend that I was actually just visiting in Boston this past week, she and I, during the pandemic, started having like weekly Zoom, or not Zoom, um, FaceTime uh, like appointments, right? Sure. Where yeah. we just sit, have a few drinks, chat about nonsense. Like, I don't even know what we talked about since we weren't doing anything, right? Yeah. And that's continued on. We we still do that like once every three to four weeks and still get together periodically. Mm-hmm. But she like paused me at one point in like spring of, of 21. And she was like, Chelsea, are you okay? Mm. Like something's not okay. Like yeah. I I know you think you're being rational in the way you're thinking, but it's really irrational thinking. Mm-hmm. And we were joking about that over the weekend. Like we, she and I kind of trade off when we're doing our irrational rationality uh, and help each other kind of work through it. We've known each other for 25 years now. And how, how did you receive that? Like, how do you receive that feedback? It actually made me pause and be mm-hmm. like, well, oh. that's, that's a huge start right then yeah. in itself is when you like can be receptive to yeah. that. Because there's plenty of times, including myself, <laughs> where I'll be like, fuck you, bro. Yeah, you get, ang- <laughs> you get angry right back, right? You're just you like, get, you, I'm you're fine, like, go away. About? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I think if One I those, hadn't yeah. been working at Mindbloom, that's probably what would have happened, mm, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It's good and, to be able to have people in your life like that. So Christian and I have known each other for... I mean, almost 18, 17 almost years, wow. eight years okay. now. Yeah. Going yeah. on, going on a few. So we've, we've gone through uh, the military, high school, yeah. all this stuff yeah. together. And there's plenty of times where we'll say to each other or, you know, he'll say to me, he's like, Hey man, what's going on? And you're like, yeah, you just get a, a defensive. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then we, we went through this program in, in Mexico yep. through vets, yep. uh, where we did this Ibogaine experience and then things kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. And then you just like really step back into this self-development role mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I, I hear you. Yeah. I, I might not be. And, and you just like are yeah. a split second faster yep. at being able to just calm down mm. and assess. Agreed. And at, that point, I hadn't done any ketamine treatments. I was just working in the space. Okay. Um, and so I think working in the space and working on myself in that space, like trying mm-hmm. to be more mindful, going at that point, I wasn't back in therapy, but I was like thinking about going back to therapy, mm-hmm. um, you know, exercising, meditating. We were also tapering off the medications at that point. So I'm not A lot of on changes. all of them yeah. anymore. Just putting that out there. Uh, I was able to come out of the azathioprine, so I'm off that. The Otesla I actually just stopped three weeks ago. I'm like super excited about that. So I'm only on one medication for it and no more flares. Good for you. So, but we think it's more of a stress response for me. Because I had the bad flare that I had, or the the last bad flare was actually, I had appendicitis and it ruptured (laughs) and I had a flare. So not necessarily just internal stress, but physical stress too. Yeah, just stress seems to be. That's all the NOS that you drank. (laughs) (laughs) Coming through my skin. Just oozing. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it, Mm. like I've since done ketamine several times. Like I've done two sets of treatments through Mind Bloom. It's a little tougher for me. I live in a state where we're not able to be in. So I have to, travel to get the prescription to the state that we were in. Mm -hmm. Um, First time I went out to California to help a friend who was going through her own mental health struggles and Mm. I started mine. So we kind of, 
I was starting to come out of my PTSD flare at that point. It was late summer, 2021. She was kind of dealing with some pretty bad depression at that point. Mm. Um, Another high school friend actually. And then did my sessions back in Georgia with my now husband. Uh, He was one of the ones that early on was like, you seem really angry. And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) You're angry. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't talk to me. It's your problem. I I definitely said that to him once or twice. I'm very grateful he was patient with me. He's a Marine. He was in for a while, so he gets the mentality too, thankfully. Um, But yeah, so um, I just, in general, I think psychedelics and the space that they have been creating for veterans, first responders, Mm -hmm. our families is so important, right? Like I just spent yeah. uh, a week out in Denver in June at Psychedelic Sciences. I yeah. actually did an IM ketamine session just to see what it's like, not because I necessarily needed it to manage my symptoms, but it definitely does keep me not experiencing yeah. trauma. Keep, keeps you level. Yeah. Right? You my, can, you can prophylax with it, right? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in therapy, so it's not mm. just the ketamine on its own. It's also me working with someone else to work through the stuff that Mm. I've been through because we've talked about some of it, but there's also stuff from the military that affected me. Sure, I'm in medicine. I've seen people die in front of me. Thankfully not a ton, but I've had to like identify soldiers in my unit who had, had died. Mm -hmm. Right. And just life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, stuff builds up and, and we're so busy nowadays. How do we find the time to process everything that's happened in our lives. Yep. Yeah. That's why you did well when you go down downrange. Yep. And then you slow down and you're yep. like, and it all comes crashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. That's it. And I think uh, this is this is a great place to pause so that we can yep. uh, save this for part two. Yeah. I'd really I'm, like I'm to game. dive into the psychedelic therapies and the ketamine therapies. Perfect. And hear some of the real world situations of how it saves people's lives. Sounds good. I'm game. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing your your story, Chelsea. Anytime. It's It's been fantastic to learn what brought you to this point. And yeah. we're excited to hear what's next. <laughs> thank you. I truly think that sharing helps you heal too. So this is just another part of my healing journey, honestly. Yeah. So, Amazing. Thanks, guys. Uh, so where, where can we find you? Um, so I am on Instagram at trace, as in three, underscore C's, C-E-E-S. Um, and it's personal but professional okay. um, and I am on Facebook I keep that private because of my ex-husband but if you find me and send me a private message I probably will add you honestly um, and then I am at MindBloom I'm licensed in California and Wyoming so you can find me there as your clinician and I do work in Georgia doing VA uh, C&P exams nice. and doing some volunteer work doing nutrition and activity stuff so if you're in Georgia South Carolina area I'm around there too awesome Amazing. perfect Amazing. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. This has been the Medivac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye.